Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, please visit us at consumerguide.com. Be sure to check out our 2020 best buy picks this list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car or crossover you will also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles that we're currently driving here at consumer guide plus all sorts of other fun auto related stuff and if you've missed an episode or two unforgivable you can stream back episodes of the car stuff podcast right there on our homepage, which is super handy all right, let's see who is online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and she is the driving force behind the Drive She Said blog. Welcome, Jill Seminello. Ah, thank you. It's good to be here, although not technically here. Right, wherever you are. <laughs> Exactly. I, you know, I, I'm beginning to feel like we've been out of the studio longer than we were in the studio. Now, are you, are you home as in Chicago or are you in Florida? Uh, I am home as in Chicago. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, for anybody who has listened to past episodes, I did appropriately quarantine for 14 days after returning from Florida. Just feel like I should put that out there. I am a responsible uh, human. There you go. <laughs> yes. All right. Hey, he's the senior editor here at Consumer Guide. He is president of the Midwest Automotive Media Association, and he has seven Ann Murray cassettes in his music collection. Welcome. <laughs> Damon Bell. Uh, I do not have any Ann Murray cassettes, although my mom was a fan. I do recall my mom was quite the Ann Murray fan. Yeah. You know, Ann Murray know, was really big in the early to mid 80s. Yeah, she was huge. Yeah. And she was Canadian. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know? Oh. I bet you didn't know this. There have only been three and a half successful music acts to come out of Canada. Not true. <laughs> No, no, that's it. Three and a half. I checked on Wikipedia. No, 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 so, no, no, no. So no. who's who's the half? It's it's Anne Marie, Gordon Lightfoot, Toronto punk revival group Picu Picu Picu, and then the half is William Shatner. Ah. Uh. What about Rush? Never heard of them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So this Rush, that's a Canadian band. Mm, yeah. Google them. Yeah, I will. <laughs> nothing, nothing comes up. <laughs> All right. After, <laughs> Moving right along. After, <laughs> after the first break, we speak to Enrique Ramirez. He is the director of business services at the legendary Road America Racetrack in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. All sorts of stuff going on up there. You don't want to miss this conversation. But before we do that, uh, Damon, interesting news this week. Ta tell us a little bit about what's going on in the world of uh, automotive business. Yeah, we're, it seems that a lot of the automotive industry news these days is, is about partnerships and companies teaming up. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, Volkswagen, or I'm sorry, uh, General Motors and Honda uh, teaming mm -hmm. up. And this week, we're we're talking about uh, General Motors uh, grabbing a $2 billion stake in the Nikola Corporation. And uh, Nikola, or am I even saying that right? Is it Nikola? Obviously, it's it's the Tesla's first, the Nikola Tesla's first name. That's the uh, the reference there. But uh, uh, they're a startup electric vehicle company that is making a full-size uh, electric pickup called the Badger. And uh, General Motors has uh, recently taken a big stake in that company. Yeah, this is a great story uh, in terms of its implications because there's a lot going on here. Nikola, as you mentioned, is a startup. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Nikola has chosen to do unlike other EV manufacturers so far, is to contract out its manufacturing. They're not going to build the vehicles themselves. Instead, they were looking for an existing manufacturing partner. And in this case, they found General Motors. So 
It's interesting that last week when we were talking to Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions, he had mentioned that General Motors isn't General Motors anymore. It's a smaller company. Well, now we Mm -hmm. see General Motors growing to some extent because they've taken an 11% stake in Nikola in exchange for manufacturing their product, which, which is a very interesting deal for a big manufacturer. Additionally, Nikola was sort of staking its claim, at least initially, on, on building fuel cell vehicles, um, which seems like a pretty small market because the, the, the potential there is limited geographically and, and in terms of who can make use of hydrogen-powered vehicles. But they're also going to be doing a regular vehicle. But General Motors has hydrogen building capability, and this goes back to our story last week, that they had established with Honda. There's now a part of General Motors called Hydratech. Uh, which was developed specifically to build fuel cells. So the few, the first customer for General Motors built and designed fuel cells is going to be Nikola. This is crazy, but they're talking about the first Nikola Badger, that's the name of the pickup truck, being available uh, towards the end. What was it? I think production begins at the end of 2022. Yeah, yeah. late 2022. Right. And I don't know that they've even... Uh, A lot of stuff is still in flux at this point because I don't believe they've even stated exactly where the Badger Mm -mm. will be built. So they have not. uh -uh. Yeah. Yeah. General Motors has those facilities that it set aside in Detroit to build its own. I think it's the electric version of the Silverado plus the Hummer pickup that we saw advertised at the uh, um, the Super Bowl. But yeah, is this going to be a separate facility? And then what is the potential volume here? Because the initial volume might be very low. Yeah. Uh, but, but the Badger is interesting. There'll be two versions of the Badger that they're talking about now. One powered by an enormous 180 kilowatt hour battery with more than 300 miles of range. That should list for about 60. And then the fuel cell vehicle, which will be fuel cell plus big electric, supposed to have 600 miles of combined range. That's going to be more like 80 grand, which actually seems really inexpensive for a fuel cell vehicle, but we'll see where that goes. Yeah. The thing that's interesting to me about uh, these partnerships, especially in light of the fact that we know that both General Motors and Ford are moving full steam ahead on their own uh, yeah. electric, pure electric pickups and, and fuel cell, these next generation technologies. The first question that pops into my head is what is in it for these established uh, legacy automakers to partner with uh, the untested startups? Mm-hmm. And I think the, the answer is uh, Wall Street digs startups. Yes. And they're, they, they, uh, have they get a pass? I mean, look no further than Tesla's uh, experience or, or, or Tesla's uh, history over the past decade or so, and think of how many uh, bold statements Tesla has made, how many you know stated production deadlines they've missed, um, <laughs> questions about uh, build quality and and things like that. That Tesla has more or less gotten a pass on both. Uh, in the general media, I won't say automotive media because I think the automotive media has been a bit more critical of those things. But Agreed. in the general uh, media and on Wall Street, Tesla doesn't seem to have been dinged by any of those uh, missteps. And I just can you imagine General Motors or Ford uh, committing some of those same things and having it just glossed over? So there is this and I've seen it happen in other industries too. startup companies automatically benefit from being new and and things are uh, standards that you would hold established. Uh, legacy corporations too. Startups aren't held to that same yardstick. So, um, you know, they there there's always kind of an interest in, oh, well, let's see what this new fresh company can do that the, you know, uh, the tired old legacy company that's mired in bureaucracy. That's just the perception that people have, like can't do. So General Motors and Ford kind of get some of that sizzle uh-huh. and, and interest that the startup companies generate, um, you know, and get the the benefits of the the matchup, the, the partnership that way. 
Yeah, well, you know, I think the other thing that you have to keep in mind is this is a symbiotic relationship. And, you know, yeah, there, you, you get some of the sizzle, but you also get access to a new way of thinking. You know, when you look at somebody like a General Motors who's been around forever, you know, the, the, and I won't say the tendency is, you know, if it ain't broke, you know, don't, don't break it, you know, keep, keep doing the same thing. But they, they have this tremendous access to an amazing amount of technology and a new way of thinking that maybe isn't coming from in-house. So, you know, that's one thing that General Motors gets is that, you know, they, they do get that sizzle. They get the new technology. They get a new way of thinking. But, you know, then you look at Nikola and, and what they get and, and this is what um, Tesla hasn't gotten is they, they get the benefit of an automaker who has been doing this for a hundred years. You know, they, they get the benefit of somebody who's done mass production, who knows how assembly lines work, who knows how to, you know, gear up to, to do this thing. And, and so it's this really, I think, interesting symbiotic relationship where, you know, one company gets the cool technology and the other company gets the benefit of longevity. And, and so, uh, you know, I think this is a very fascinating partnership and I think it's really smart. So I'm, I, you know, I'm, def- I'm looking forward to seeing how, how it works. Well, one interesting thing about this tie-up, too, um, General Motors, which has fuel cell technology and no real plans to put fuel cells in its own vehicles, now has access to a client for that product. But additionally, Nikola, in addition to the Badger, the pickup that we're going to see first, is working on over-the-road trucks, Class 7 and Class 8 trucks. And that is actually the real market with real potential for fuel cells. Um, and, And they could have a built in client for that stuff, too, which is really good news because they spent a lot of money developing fuel cells, not a lot of market for them. So we'll see where that goes. Um, We will keep an eye on Nikola and General Motors, their new their newfound relationship, and we'll keep you apprised of where that's going. But Jill, yes, Cadillac's doing something kind of interesting. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we recently, uh, as a part of an automotive association event, had uh, uh, basically a sneak peek at something from Cadillac, and it's called Cadillac Live. And and what I find really interesting is it, you could be tempted to think that this thing was born from the pandemic and, uh, you know, the virtual life that we are all now living. But yeah. Cadillac actually started this before the pandemic began. And, and so what is Cadillac Live? It's basically a website that you can go to and um, take a live video tour of a Cadillac. So it's kind of like a no pressure way to get an inside look at a vehicle without actually going to a dealership. You go to, it's, it's live.cadillac.com. And um, so you, you go there and you can, you know, front and center, there's a button that says, you know, start a live video tour. And you will, you know, depending on how many people want to do it at that moment, you could get connected immediately. There could be a little bit of a wait time. You know, maybe you could, you, you could actually actually schedule an appointment. But the point of this is you actually get connected to a live person with a camera who will walk you through the vehicle, do a tour, show you everything you want to know, and will spend pretty much as much time as you want with the vehicle, showing you all the features. And this is specifically geared towards new customers. But if you're an owner... And you had a question, like you can't figure out, like I had, I, I'm, I'm driving um, an Audi right now and I could not figure out how to turn the ambient lighting off. Um, and <laughs> so like, if I, you know, and I'm driving, can't figure it out. And so you have to wait until you get home. But like, so you're home, you have a question, can't figure out how to turn ambient lighting off. You can start a live video chat and they can walk you through rather than reading the manual. They can walk you through how to do something on the car that you already own. So I, I don't know. I just thought this was a really interesting feature that they were offering that gives you the personal touch without needing to leave your home. Now, I want to know how much time you can waste of the representatives before they, <laughs> just, decide, they just decide you're a crackpot and, and more or less you know, hang up on you. Like if you said, I would like to hear some Canadian pop music. Well, they sit down, go through that satellite, and maybe this band Rush that Damon was talking about, maybe that is something they look for. And for 20 minutes, they can't find any Canadian music. Do they hang up on you? 
Well, I mean, maybe they'll that's say a, that's like, a great, how about, great question. How about something else? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, that was a question we did not ask uh, during during the presentation is if they, you know, how they handle somebody like that. <laughs> yeah, we actually, we, uh, our, our local automotive journalist association, we got uh, a, a preview or a, a, an experience, uh, a Cadillac Live experience where we all got to uh look in on a session via a zoom meeting that we had and mm -hmm. i have to say i was very impressed with how it worked um uh -huh. yeah and and it, you know it, you log it's basically you the session starts there's a a very well cast very crisply dressed uh agent uh that and and that agent is in a, a showroom of Cadillac vehicles. So you can see, you know, they've got a CT4, a CT5, um, the SUVs, XT6, XT4, the whole Cadillac lineup uh, is represented there. And these these uh, Cadillac Live agents, they are very good with like a, uh, a smartphone-like camera that has an image stabilization function. And mm -hmm. the agent we had was very deft at kind of smoothly moving around the vehicle. And of course, the the space is very attractively set up. There's a pure white backdrop. There's nice uh, overhead beauty lighting. So the vehicles, of course, look their best. Right. Um, but yes, it's a real-time interactive experience. And um, you can see them. They can't see you. So if you wanted to do it with no pants on, you could. <laughs> Uh, but but the the interactiveness is great and and it was the 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 technology is good enough that at least for our uh, session um, the the voice the the Cadillac agent's voice kind of sounded like it was over a radio connection so it wasn't like. Uh, uh, perfect crispness but it was also totally smooth no hiccups so you could clearly hear uh everything the agent was saying and again mm -hmm. just that real-time thing he slides behind the wheel you you know starts up the vehicle so you see the startup screens mm -hmm. um and then they also have not surprisingly um They've got props there. There's uh, a couple hockey sticks. There's a, yeah. a couple golf bags they have yeah. in the studio to show you, hey, here's what the trunk looks like. Here's what you can fit in. Um, you know, so uh, it's probably not going to fully replace a traditional uh, kick the tires in person experience, but it's going to streamline that and get that process started a lot easier. And as Jill said, um, even existing customers can can use it to, uh, you know, get questions answered about the product, uh, about the Cadillac they may have just purchased. Yeah. Jill, how do uh, how do folks find uh, the Cadillac live site? Yeah, it's it's live.cadillac.com. Um, and I think uh, some of like the dealer website websites probably have um, yeah. access to this as well. And, you know, another interesting thing to note, like if you are truly interested in purchasing a vehicle, you know, they can pass you off to a, like a local dealer. And, and make that, you know, facilitate that connection as well. And I, I don't know if Cadillac is doing it, but a, a lot of dealers right now, and it could be dealer specific to areas, but a lot of dealerships are doing um, like virtual test drives too, where they'll bring you the car. So I'm wondering if then this could transfer into something like that. So, you know, you know, maybe you don't even have to go to the dealership. This could be a whole new way of handling a car buying experience that would make everybody happy. No, it doesn't make me happy because I think people should still test drive cars. But well, no, if they bring you, the, but they bring you the car to your house, no, no. you can test drive it from your house, and then they can take it back to the dealership. You never have to go to the dealership. You don't. You, yeah. you know. Then you sat in one car. I mean, I get it. I know where yeah. this is going, and it all makes sense. And I, I, I applaud Cadillac for doing this. But I still wish we weren't going through a pandemic and people could go yeah. sit in six or seven cars. But this is the next best thing, and it's pretty cool. All right, yeah. we got to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk to Enrique Ramirez, the Director of Business Services at the legendary Road America Racetrack. You don't want to miss this. We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. 
Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, this is the part of the show when I strongly suggest that you follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is Car underscore Guy underscore Tom on Twitter. Right now, I just put up a gallery, a car spotter gallery of cool forgotten convertibles. You kind of want to check those out. These are all cars I actually see on my commute to work. So they're real cars I see all the time. Uh, Maybe you don't care, but if you do, check them out. Okay, our guest today is a car guy and a family man. We know this because he has seven kids and one Camaro SS1LE, the latter of which he regularly takes to the track. Speaking of tracks, our guest is the Director of Business Services at Elkhart Lake's legendary Road America. Welcome to the Car Stuff Podcast, Enrique Ramirez. Enrique, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk a little bit about what Road America has to offer. Well, I'm glad. Before we talk about Road America, I just need to know, if you didn't have seven kids, would you have more Camaros? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I would probably have that uh, a new 911 twin turbo S. Um, That would be the uh, the ultimate call. But uh, yes, I chose kids over... uh, over uh, those car things. So the Camaro SS one is a great car, and I, I have a lot of fun with it. It's a little bit less expensive to maintain. There you go. <laughs> now, for people who don't know, tell us about Road America. This is a race course up in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. It has a legendary history, and it's also a beautiful place to visit. Tell us about it. So actually, this year is the 70th year of racing at Elkhart Lake, and the first few years were actually on the streets of Elkhart Lake. It started in uh, 1950, and and then in uh, 54, I believe, uh, they banned the street racing. So uh, one of the FCCA members uh, that was active in the racing decided they should partner up and, and build a permanent road course so they wouldn't have to race in the streets but they continue racing in Elkhart Lake and and that's when uh, Road America was born. First race was uh, in 19, 1955 at Road America. And and of course there's the permanent course up there but one of the cool things about it is you can still find the original street track up there if you look around. Yes, absolutely. You have uh, markers out there, and there's actually a historical society in Elkhart Lake, and you can go get a map and, and drive the, uh, the old course. Uh, all the corners are still there, and, and it's, uh, it's a great experience. You know, the, the, our upcoming event here, uh, the Aaron's Art on Wheels, which is September 18th through the 20th, uh, it's VSCDA, and one of the things that v, VSCDA offers is they, uh, uh, they do – a drive on the historical uh, historic course. They get all their race cars out and drive the historic course as part of their event. Well, that's very cool. Uh, that is cool. So, so the 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 vintage weekend. That's basically all of your classic uh, sports cars are going to be coming out of the woodwork for that. So, like three fifty six, like Porsche Speedsters and. Um, the vintage Alfa Romeos, maybe some old MGs. Like this is these are this is the weekend where the historic cars uh, take to the track. Correct? Yeah. So this, uh, you know, people come out from all over the world to, to this event, and it's actually the 35th year they're doing it at Road America. And this year they, they have a, you know, every year they have a feature mark, and this year it's pre-war cars and Japanese cars. So pre-war, you're talking, like you said, some of the old MGs, the Alphas, um, are probably the, the most exciting to watch on the track. They're not the fastest, but you see those cars out there and those skinny, skinny old tires, and, yeah. and it's amazing <laughs> and, and frightening at the same time. Yeah, and I've and 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 the what's what's great is these cars, the vast majority of them are museum piece vehicles. I mean, historically significant, uh, the kind of thing you would see in a in, in a top tier automotive museum. It's one thing to experience a car sitting static under spotlights in a museum. It's something else entirely, and I would say superior, to see that car being driven at speed, hustling through a corner. And, and so you're, you're, it's literally kind of uh, history come to life uh, when you go to one of these vintage events. 
Yes, no question. And I've seen cars out there that, you know, you see go up at the auctions for, you know, millions of dollars, you know, the Bugattis and, and some of those rare cars. And, and you see them out there, they're driving them on the track. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and not, and more often than not, uh, not really soft pedaling it either. They no. will, they will drive them hard. <laughs> yeah, oh, I've yes. been to, these people are, are very competitive. Yeah. <laughs> I have attended the June sprints and I've been to some of the vintage events up there too. And one of the things that gets me is, is, is unless you're there, you don't get a sense of, of the sound and even the smell of gasoline that mm. lingers in the air. But when you watch the old cars too, you can tell that those drivers are working just as hard or even harder than they might be in a more modern vehicle to hustle those things around and they have to brake super early because the brakes are just not the same as modern brakes and it's it's a wonderful thing to, to to experience live for sure but yeah so obviously if you're a, a car enthusiast uh, uh especially a vintage auto enthusiast road america has those amazing uh on-track events to offer but i think the other thing that we should talk about today is that even if you are only casually interested or not interested at all in cars and racing there is a ton of stuff to do at road america um it's a large facility it's set in a beautiful Kettle Moraine area of Wisconsin. So there's uh, gorgeous natural terrain, uh, forested areas all on premises. And there's so much other stuff beyond racing uh, that you guys have there. There's camping, uh, there's uh, off-road courses if you wanted to take a vehicle off-road. So Enrique, can you talk about some of the other things uh, that uh, Road America has uh, for the general public uh, in addition to the racing stuff? Yeah, of course. It's funny because, like you said, most people, they think of Road America and they think of the the road course and the racing. And you know, what they don't realize is, you know, those might be the, you know, we have seven or eight public weekends uh, for racing, but we do over 500 events every year. And that goes everything oh. from what we call a corporate group adventure program, for, and that's usually for corporate groups or bachelor parties or the bachelorette parties or just family reunions, you know, we get people out and they can experience everything from paintball to karting, uh, off-road adventures, racing adventures, samplers. You know, we have so much to offer, 640 acres. Um, like you said, rolling green hills. You know, we have a four-mile track, but we also have a one-mile go-kart track. Um, so we do everything and anything. Um, you know, like I said, we've done everything from uh, the paintball uh, you know, and, and whenever someone comes to us with uh, an idea to do, we'll, we'll probably try to do it, make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I know one of the things, uh, there's, there's even, uh, you've got a, a, a page on your website that is just all the group adventure programs. And one of the things I've heard about it before, I've never actually done it. It's called geocaching. And that's basically like a modern day kind of fun treasure hunt, correct? <laughs> Yes, it is, and it's, it's amazingly popular, especially with big groups, because they get in, you know, four people to a golf cart, and they get a GPS, and they have these uh, locations loaded in there, these waypoints, and they have to go find, you know, across the 648 acres, go find these little treasures, and, and the group that finds the most wins, and it's a good way to spend, you know, morning or an afternoon, and it is very popular with, uh, you know, for team building activities for, you know, companies. For sure. Well, and you also well, have, I, and I have to bring this up because I know this is Tom's personal favorite. Thing I knew it was going to go here. <laughs> um, we, but the, four miles of fitness. I, I, you got to mention that because like if it, I just think this is really a cool thing that you guys offer, you know, and it's it's for somebody who's interested in, in you know, car stuff, but also somebody who's maybe a biker or a runner. Um, can you talk a little bit of what, about what Four Miles of Fitness is? Sure. So Four Miles of Fitness is every Monday, Monday and Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m. starting in May and running through the end of September. And it gives people access to the property to run, bike, uh, rollerblade on the four-mile track. And it also, you know, they can also do, uh, use the access roads. 
And the other nice thing about the four miles of fitness is that we have a disc, uh, 18-hole disc golf course, and anytime you come in for the four miles of fitness, you can use the disc golf course as well. So it's pretty inexpensive. You know, it's, it's $5 at the gate um, per, excuse me, per person, but there's also an eight-visit punch pass they can get for 25 bucks, or a season pass for, for 60 So uh, we also partner with the YMCA, so anyone who's a YMCA, uh, a YMCA member can come for free. They just show their membership card. So it's it's a way to to get people out and, and enjoy the track and again like you said they don't have to be car enthusiasts. Yeah, no, and wow. it's it's a great course because it's got hills and turns and I, I don't know I I've done obviously fitness and I just I think it was the coolest thing ever. So I I mean I love that you you guys offer that um, and I, I I know Tom it's it's one of Tom's personal favorite things yeah. also oh, yeah, about yeah. the track. <laughs> Uh, and then, Jill, you run that course about as fast as you drive it, correct? Uh, faster. I actually run faster um, than I drive it. Uh, yes. Yeah, excellent. and we 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 should also mention too that we're that yeah we're talking about it's it's great that you can with four miles of fitness you can get out and run and bike on the track, but you also have four. We'll circle back to the traditional car guy. Uh, uh, experience you have a sunset cruising uh, uh, feature too where uh, that uh, kind of at uh, sunset you let uh, individual owners with cars out on the track to cruise correct yes so what we like to do is a lot of times you have the guys that like to come out or gals who like to race and be on the track but you know, they also want to get their families out on the track or someone who just has heard of the track and wants to, to see what it's all about. They they come out and usually it's at the end of a day. Uh, it's twenty dollars per car load, so twenty dollars per car. And they can come out and they usually get two to three laps behind one of our pace cars. So it is it is paced because we all know that people get out there and and <laughs> on this long straight and decide they want to see what their car can do. And and obviously we are all about safety, so. You know, we do pace the, the laps with uh, one of our student Corvettes to keep things in check. But, yeah, it's it's uh, something we've done for a long time, and we'll do it in conjunction with some of our public events. We'll do it with uh, motorcycle groups as well. So, so it's, a, it's a great way to get the family out. And it's funny because you'll see everything from you know, minivans to compact race cars, you know, not race cars, but the yeah. sports cars. Uh, everything and anything can come out and go on the track. And and speaking of your own uh, pace cars, if someone wants a faster experience, you guys also offer pace car hot laps. I know you guys have had a, a partnership with Chevrolet and you've had uh, Corvette pace cars for the past few years. And I know that you have new C8 Corvettes now. So uh, that's uh, uh, an option as well, as you can get a ride in the shotgun seat with a professional driver behind the wheel of one of the Road America pace cars. Yes, and we usually do that right after our Sunset Cruise. So a lot of the people who experience it in their car, then you know, they want to experience it at speed. And, and being the fact that we do have the C8 Corvettes and you know, they're starting to come out, but they're not available to everyone. It's become very popular to to come out and experience the, the track in a C8 Corvette. They're, they're really nice, really nice cars and do well on the track. Oh. Okay, so I, I, I have a, a question for you, kind of a, a final question um, for you about uh, Road America in general and, um, you know, uh, Elkhart Lake specifically. Well, I guess also generally. But so here's the thing. You know, you have this really cool racetrack in a really cool area, and it's only about two to three hours from the Chicagoland area. So um, I'm, I'm putting you in the role of a tour guide. If somebody wanted to like make it a weekend and come up and spend some time at Road America and maybe spend some time also in Elkhart Lake, like what kinds of things might somebody expect if they came up for like a long weekend and what could they do? Well, there's all kinds of things in Elkhart Lake. It is kind of a tourist community. So there, there are resorts, there's lakes. You know, you have the fishing and, and other things you can do on the lake, the boating and all that 
kind of fun stuff. But, you know, just uh, Road America, one of the things we've offered this year that we haven't in the past is just open camping. So not related to any activity on the track, but just, you know, bring your family out to Road America. You can bike. You've got the disc golf course. You have, you know, the karting track, uh, all these different things that you can do. So, and we also have cabins at Road America, so you don't even need to bring an RV. You can stay in one of our cabins. So there are a lot of options as far as that. Uh, there are other campgrounds in the area as well, but there are you know, a lot of really good restaurants, a lot of really uh, nice resorts. Uh, you've got Kohler nearby, uh, you know, Suburban with Lake Michigan. I mean, there, there are a lot of things for people to do on a weekend other than just uh, the track, but we would obviously prefer you come to Road America. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you have so much to do, like you could really make it like a complete Road America weekend. So, sure. I mean, that's what I think is really cool about your facility. And I, you know, I, I didn't realize you guys also had cabins and campgrounds. So that's also really cool. Yeah. So we have, uh, I think it's around a thousand campsites. So when we have like an IndyCar race or, or NASCAR or any of our big events, you know, a lot of that gets full, and, and we, even, we even have the ability to open up extra space. You know, we have over overflow areas, but uh, it is a big part of what we do is the camping experience. You know, one of the things we always say is come for the experience and stay for the race. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Erika, we're out of time here, but tell us how we can keep track of Road America and how we can see what else is still going on the rest of the year. Absolutely. So if you go to our website, roadamerica.com, there is a calendar of events there. And usually on the on the main page, you'll see all the upcoming events and also see some of our schools, driving schools, motorcycle schools, teen driving schools, and other things that you can do at the track. Excellent. All right. Everyone should check out Road America. That's in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Even if you don't care about racing, beautiful city, gorgeous racetrack. Also, I'm just going to throw out this personal pitch. Check out the Lake Street Cafe in mm. Elkhart Lake. It's five <laughs> yes. minutes from the track. The food is outstanding. All right. that Enrique, thank you for joining us today. That was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. We'll have to have you on again sometime soon. Okay. We are going to take a break. When we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. I thank you for sticking around. Hey, Jill. Hey, what? Jill, you're on MySpace. How can people find you on MySpace? <laughs> MySpace, Foursquare, um, like what, what other outdated social media? Um, no, I'm on all of the current media, uh, social media, probably in addition to, I think I actually do have a MySpace page, but um, Jill Simonello, <laughs> that's that's how you can find me. I don't add anything to MySpace right now, uh, but Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now new TikTok, um, at Jill Simonello. So it's all one word, J-I-L-L-C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O. <laughs> Dang. All right. Hey, Damon. Yes. Damon, you're the king of Yelp. Tell us about it. <laughs> what would that even entail, being the king of Yelp? <laughs> you leave a I lot just, of I, reviews. I write a lot of impassioned reviews about bad service I've gotten at uh, small restaurants. Yeah, I don't think it's a paid position, so it's not as cool as it sounds. 1,200-word 12, reviews of how my burger bun was soggy. Yes, but no, you, uh, I, actually, Tom, Tom, yeah. once again, your, your, your fact sheet on me is erroneous. I don't what, whatever source you're using uh, for background or stuff on me, you got to get a new source. But you tweet a lot about Anne Murray. Where can people follow those tweets? <laughs> <laughs> I tweet a lot, but not about Anne Murray. And you can find those at Dave and Bell Likes Cars. What was Anne Murray's hit? Was it oh. called You Needed Me? She had several. She had a great voice. Vaguely kind of Karen Carpenter-esque, if I recall. It's been sure. a while since I've listened to an Anne Murray. You don't sound like you're a fan. No. You're not an Anne no. Murray fan. No, I'm, I'm not. No. It was it was the thing that was on stations that weren't rock or country stations on uh, in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. An easy listening staple. Yeah. Anne Murray. Yeah. 
Oh. <laughs> All right, Anne Murray. Is the quiz is the quiz about Anne Murray today? Is it's there an great. Anne Murray question on the quiz? Not yet. Bonus question. Break, can I you can... can you quickly can you quickly put one on? I don't think I can. I should have. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't I didn't know the Anne Murray topic would have such traction, but uh... <laughs> well, you're the one that's brought it up twice, so. <laughs> And Murray, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, yeah. it's quiz time, boys and girls. <laughs> this week's Car Stuff Power Quiz is Who Made It? I hope you guys are ready to play. Um, uh, I was a little bit more responsible this time as moderator, and I kept track of who went first last week, which was Jill. Yes. So, so this week, Damon. All right. Damon, you go All first. Right. Uh, the question is uh, to you, Damon. The 1988 to 1994 Pontiac Le Mans, who made it? Was it Daewoo, Isuzu, Suzuki, or Toyota? Man, that is a good question. Could you read me the, the options again? Yes. Daewoo, Isuzu, Suzuki, or Toyota? I'm going to say Daewoo. All right. Jill, what would you say? Uh, I will say Toyota. Damon has it. It was oh. Daewoo. The, the, the Pontiac Le Mans, the 88 to 94 Pontiac Le Mans, was based on the Opel Cadet and replaced the Pontiac T1000, which was just a Chevette. So one for Jill, if the Yeah, and Jill, if the car would have been the Pontiac Vibe, you would have right. been correct. See, I yep. was thinking because they had a relationship with Toyota over the Vibe, maybe that had been yeah. a previous endeavor. So that's why Toyota was in my head. Yeah, good, good guess. Jill? Yes. Question to you. The 1985 to 1988 Chevrolet Nova, <laughs> was that built by Daewoo, Isuzu, Suzuki, or Toyota? Uh, okay, so I, first off, I have to say, whenever I hear Chevy Nova, I always think of Nova and the old joke of it doesn't go. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, um, you know, could you read the, I, like, I, I have no clue. I'm, I'm totally going to be throwing darts at this one. Could you read those again so I can make an I, educated I guess? Yeah. <laughs> the 1985 to 1988 Chevrolet Nova, was that built by Daewoo, Isuzu, and I'm just going to add this, Suzuki with an asterisk or Toyota with an asterisk? Why are you putting an asterisk at the end? Because there's more to the story. <laughs> <laughs> if that's um, the right answer. Uh, well, uh, let's see. I, uh, oh, good grief. Um, Daewoo. All I got right. nothing. Damon, the Chevrolet Nova. Daewoo, Isuzu, Suzuki with an asterisk, Toyota with an asterisk. I, Isuzu was one of the options, wasn't it? Yes. It's either a Suzu or a Toyota. I'm going to say Toyota. You are asterisk correct. Ah. Yeah, for Damon. It was actually built by Numi, which was the new United Motor Manufacturing Company in Fremont, California, which right. was a joint venture between Toyota and General Motors. <laughs> that factory is now one of Tesla's primary manufacturing sites. Yeah. So, interesting plan with a lot of history. Damon, this question goes to you with your two-point lead. The 2006 <laughs> through 2009 Mitsubishi Raider, this was a small pickup truck. Uh, was that built by Dodge? Or actually, that would have been uh, Damon Chrysler at the time. Fiat, Nissan, or did Mitsubishi build it itself? Uh, the Mitsubishi Raider, I believe that was built by Dodge. Jill? Yeah, I'm kind of thinking Dodge as well. I was thinking either them or Nissan, but uh, I'll, I'll go with Dodge as well. You are both correct. Yeah, it was pretty much a clone of the Dodge Dakota. <laughs> right. that, I, I need to I need to mention uh, because I I believe I went on a Mitsubishi Raider press event when that vehicle was launched, and I remember a press release. Uh, of that vehicle and typically the the pickup trucks they often have a lot of tough guy macho talk in their press release like about towing capacity and you know broad shoulder this and muscle that <laughs> and and they present the vehicles as very tough rugged things 
uh, with a lot of swagger. And I remember the Mitsubishi Raider press release contained the sentence, something along the lines of the Mitsubishi Raider doesn't much like to share. <laughs> and I thought, oh, how ironic and sad because it basically shares everything with the Dodge Dakota. <laughs> yeah, it's a clone. It is a clone. It was a like, clone. It was mostly just stickers. The difference was stickers. Well, the bodywork, I think it was completely different bodywork. It had, if you could imagine, like a Mitsubishi Eclipse mixed with a midsize pickup. That's kind of what it looked like. But yeah, beyond the the bodywork, it was it was a Dakota. All right. Uh, question four. This goes to you, Jill. All right. The 2004 through 2009 Chrysler Crossfire. Oh yes. Was that built by Fiat, Hyundai? Mercedes-Benz or Mitsubishi? This one I think I actually know, and that's going to be Mercedes-Benz. Damon, to you. I will agree with Joe. You're both correct. Yeah, it was a version of the Mercedes-Benz SLK with completely unique bodywork. It wasn't a very good car, as I recall. Did, did Mercedes actually build it? Yes. Okay. Huh. Yeah, and you remember I know, the... Like, if you remember, there Go was ahead. an SRT6 version of that, which used a supercharger. I do. Yeah. Yeah. That was a hardtop convertible. Kind of an mm. interesting car. I don't think it has much collector action right now. Mm. Yeah. It's certainly rare, but maybe not super desirable. <laughs> All right. I lost yeah. track. Did you guys both get the, uh, the Raider question? Yes. All right. So the score is two to four in Damon's favor. Yes. So pretty much, Jill, you can't win this one. <laughs> no, I cannot. All right, but for fun, we're gonna we're gonna trudge along. Hey, Damon. Yes. The 2011 through 2014 Lancia Thema was assembled in North America. What was that car based on? Was it based on the Ford Fusion, the Ford Taurus, the Chrysler 200, or the Chrysler 300? Uh, I'm going to say the the Chrysler 300. And Jill? Okay, can you read the question again? I can. The 2011 through 2014 Lancia Thema uh, was assembled in North America. Was it based on the Ford Fusion, the Ford Taurus, the Chrysler 200, or the Chrysler 300? I have no idea. I, I, like, either you're not pronouncing it right, or I have no idea what you're talking about. With the Lancia <laughs> Thema? Thema. T-H-E-M-A. The Thema. Yeah. Thema? Thema? I got nothing. Uh, a luxury yacht? A luxury yacht? Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll say, you said Ford Taurus? Yes. Yeah, I'll go there. No, this was, a, this was part of the FCA hookup, and Lancia, of course, a division of the Fiat Empire. Uh, the Chrysler 300 was repurposed, and <laughs> we actually we should post this on our website, Damon, uh, or post it in the, in the article accompanying this episode, but... It looked pretty much like a Chrysler 300 with a different grill. Mm -hmm. yeah. Those were built in Canada, by the way. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I have never even heard of it. <laughs> so, Damon, did you go five for five? I think you did. I yeah. believe I did go five, five, right. five for five. Oh. Jill went two for five. We're going to the bonus question because I bothered to write it. All right. <laughs> this goes to Jill first. Jill, according to Good Housekeeping, which of the following is ranked as the best overall uh, facial tissue brand? Is it Kleenex, Puffs, Scotties, or Target's Up and Up brand? Ooh, um, such a such a tough question. Um, definitely, I don't think it's going to be Scotties. Um, you know, Puffs does a really good job with you know putting a little bit of lotion in, in uh, the tissue. Yeah. Um, however, I will say I am a paper towel fan myself for using as a tissue, so maybe I'm not really a very good judge. <laughs> Uh, you use paper towels as tissues? What? Do. Don't you have any sandpaper? Um, <laughs> I, I don't have any sandpaper, which is why I'm using a paper towel. Uh, you do, but do you actually prefer paper towels to facial tissue? They're less expensive. I don't know. I, I just don't really care that much about. I, 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 I'll be honest. I don't have a lot of snot. And so I don't blow my nose very much. And so when I do blow my nose, I just grab what's handy. And that happens to be a paper towel. Um, I'm going to say puffs. 
do you know what's weird is, is <laughs> Jill not having a lot of snot. That, that's actually a point covered in on her resume. It that's is. A, I, yeah. I am not snotty. There you go. No snot. Oh. I'm sorry. What did you say, Jill? Did you say puffs? I did. I slid that answer in. All right. Uh, Damon, to you. Kleenex, puffs, Scotties, or Target's Up and Up brand? Uh, so the, yeah, you said that this is good housekeeping. Good housekeeping, best overall facial tissue brand. What is the testing process for this? Do they know. start with like a paper towel as a baseline and decide <laughs> which tissue is better than a paper towel? I think they start with sandpaper. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, you know, I it's I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and agree with Jill because I'm gonna guess that the uh, that the puffs lotion would uh, sway the good housekeeping voters and testers. Would, so I will. You would think so, yeah. But uh, no, it was Kleenex. Um, ah, so okay. Well, I so have the dominant over. brand. I led you astray. Sorry. <laughs> I have wasted a lot of time here, but maybe Damon, you could just cover some highlights in the next moment or two about what's going on at the PG <laughs> Daily Drive blog. Certainly, certainly. We've got uh, uh, several great articles up this week. We've got a test drive of the 2020 Jeep Cherokee Limited. That's Jeep's uh, compact SUV, one of them anyway. Very um, nice color. I like that color. It, indeed. It's a, it's a cool industrial gray called Sting Gray uh, Clear Coat. And that's uh, obviously a play on Stingray. It's Sting Dash Gray. <laughs> Very cool uh, uh, kind of battleship gray looking color. Um, we've also got a photo feature on a very interesting uh, 64 Ford Galaxy four-door sedan. Uh, this is kind of a good example of what was actually driven back in the day in that it's not a flashy two-door hardtop or a convertible. It's just a garden variety four-door sedan with small hubcaps that kind of Thing that you would see on the road in much greater numbers back then. So that's a cool uh, look back in time. And then, Tom, you did an article uh, on uh, five cool things about the Toyota Tundra. Right. Uh, the Tundra is not exactly the the newest and, and most feature-equipped uh, full-size <laughs> pickup on the market, it is, but it, it is, is a Toyota. Certainly not the most efficient either, I'll have to say, uh, but it does have Toyota build quality and, and some interesting features nonetheless. So we've uh, got an article focusing on those. Sounds good. Now, if people want to check out our blog and they should just go to consumerguide.com. If you want to drop us a note, go to consumerguide.com. By the way, Jill getting fan mail and we're not. So that's interesting. <laughs> people like get, me more. I don't know. No, no. I get emails from, from Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions letting me know what was wrong with the quiz. That's my fan mail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah, check us out at consumerguide.com. Check out Jill's stuff at Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk. Uh, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and we thank you for joining us yet again this week. Special thanks to Enrique Ramirez of Road America. You want to check out their stuff. Uh, thanks to co-host Jill. Special thanks to Damon Bell. You can check out all his stuff at the aforementioned consumerguide.com. Thanks to Lady B, our new producer, and the good folks here at WCPT AMA 20 in Chicago. They have made this very easy to produce during the really weird virus shutdown. Uh, as always, thanks to my radio mentors, Steve and Johnny. And uh, as always, thanks to everyone here at Consumer Guide who helps us put together the show. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Let's talk about cars again next week. 